Hello, friends. This is not Steffi. This is Simon. If you don't know who I am, I'm Director of Training Services at Hybrid. Taking over for Steffi while she's kicking ass or face or whatever you want to say. Um, but we are here with Matt and Bonnie. Great podcast. We talked about a bit about Matt's um, run, Bonnie's surgery, just about life, business, um, just overcoming obstacles, things like that, things we're learning along the way and just, you know, talking about essentially, as Steffi would say, the limit does not exist, reaching new limits, kind of like RP10 being context specific. Great conversation. Uh, As always, uh, tag us or screenshot this episode when you're listening. Tag us on Instagram, post that up in your story, tag Hybrid Unlimited, me, Simon. You'll automatically be entered in a draw to potentially win a drop from Hybrid Legacy Brand. And if you don't know what that is, screw you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if you don't know what that is, it is the swaggiest workout uh, wear, street wear, everything wear you can possibly get. And it comes from us here at Hybrid. So if you're a true follower, uh, you're gonna you're gonna want to rep the team. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code Hybrid in all caps to get ten percent off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. So, you just ran 19.6? 19.6-ish. Uh, I signed up for an 18-mile event. Oh, really? <laughs> and um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like when my clock turned over at 18, so like when my watch was like, you're at mile 18, I was like, I'm not at the finish. <laughs> And like, I also know that there's like a part of the trail was an out and back, and I know that I'm not on the familiar part of the trail yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, this is going to be longer than 18, clearly. Yeah. But so then I start doing calculations because it's a 30k, which means like, well, 3.1 is 5k, so 6.2 is 10, so 6.2 times 3 is 18.6. I'm like, oh no problem, 0.6. Nope. <laughs> Comes over on my earphones because there's like an app for the race that like gives you updates. Oh, really? And so it's like, you're at mile, blah, blah, blah. And here's all your your pace and splits and all these other info. Mm-hmm. It's really rad. Plus, it had kind of like a historical thing to it. I think it's Race Joy was the name of the app they used. But the announcer for the whole thing had pre-recorded a bunch. And she comes over and she's like, Bryce Canyon was named after Bryce, uh, Ebenezer Bryce, this Mormon that came and founded the area and was a carpenter, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, so once it read 19 to me, I was just like, hmm. I wasn't interested in that one. That last 1-6 was more than I'd signed up for. Yeah. Uh, but it was really good, dude. Um, it was a challenge. And it was, you know, my challenge of the training for it was really what I was more interested in is could I stay disciplined enough to do all the running to lead up to it? Mm-hmm. And the event was basically like, if I did train and have my shit together enough for the event that I could enjoy the event. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to be like, I'm not going to die doing 20 miles, even if I hadn't trained for the whole thing. Yeah. But it would have been a death March for 90% of it. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what I was interested in. Yeah. I was going to ask you about your training um, and just what overall inspired you to do the race. So, now that I can't compete in the thing that I was good at, uh, I think it's interesting to try to maybe pick some stuff that I'm bad at. Mm-hmm. And just as a show to anyone watching or myself or anyone else that you can get better at a thing that you genetically and physically should suck at. And don't get me wrong. I'm a bad runner. I'm still doing like 18 minute miles. I'm mm-hmm. not fast, but I can go a really long time now. Yeah. And so, 
all of that was still able to improve no different than linear period periodization and any of the other training I've ever done. Yeah. And because I picked a thing I'm bad at for me, it's important because, uh, if, if it was something I was naturally good at and I found like success in it quickly, it's a pretty good chance that obsession switch for me turns and I don't have time for that. Yeah. Anymore in my life. The obsession switch is hate brand and the podcast and the business and the travel. Mm -hmm. I can't turn into an ultra runner. Like I don't have eight hours, you know, 20 hours a week to put in run training to get ready for a thing. Yeah. You can't be running 50 plus miles a week. No, everything else in my life will fall apart. Then you have to focus on (laughs) nutrition and everything else. You're exhausted. Um, So that kind of inspired you. And how did you approach your, your training? I did it hourly. Like, so I did an hour based training program because my concern going into it, it was that my knee and hip couldn't take the beating mm-hmm. of uh, all the run training. So I was like, man, I'm going to have to figure this out to build the engine without crushing my knee and hip from running. I really expected it to beat me up a lot. Yeah. And so I decided like week one and week two were so, run you back. My idea was that for 18 miles. The total time allotted for the whole thing is I have to finish in seven hours, which is like 2.67 mile an hour pace. So I basically trained from jump and backtrack, you know, back to my way into week one. Yeah, reverse engineer. Yeah, with, well, I need to be able to do seven hours. Yeah. And so that's what the lead up is going to be. So like week one and week two where I have five one hour cardio run walk sessions that week. Mm-hmm. I run as much as I want to or can. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't have like, we need 10 miles today. I'm going to do an hour and I'll go as far as I possibly can in that hour. And so then by week, you know, two and three, I started having a two hour day mixed in. And then by week three, I had like two, two hour days and a one hour day. And then that continued up until like I had my longest days were like a three hour. Jeez. So I had a couple three-hour days where I'd go out and run, walk, do a half marathon, something like that. Jeez. Um, and I built it that way so that if my knee and hip were hurting, I could get on the bike. Yeah. And I could still get three hours of zone two yeah. training to build that engine. Yeah. Uh, but my knee and hip handled it way better than I expected. And not only way better than I expected... I'm way str- I feel better because of doing it and I didn't expect that. Yeah, I was going to say you probably learned just a lot of your gas tank, your knee and hip and things. You just again, I think you were telling me at the gym it's like you never really even just kind of ran or did no. anything over 10 no, seconds. Oh man, like as a thrower, as a powerlifter, as a strongman, all those things or you know, football was probably the last time I ran ran would have been in high school and even that's not endurance yeah like i've never gone like i want to go run a mile fuck why (laughs) that doesn't benefit any of the sports i've ever competed in yeah um but this was it was really different because i knew for me the discipline would be convincing myself to show up and do it Mm -hmm. uh because i'll i'll get bored or i'll get anxious that i'm not doing more important shit yeah and so that's really what I was concerned about. So I, I got up a bunch of mornings early since that's time you can steal that I don't have other things to do. And I bet I made it through. I didn't miss a single training session for the first 10 weeks. And then. When did you miss? I missed a few. I missed a few scheduled. Once I kind of got to week 10 and I had a, and I was able to do more than one three hour session a week. I'm like, we're fine. Yeah. Like I wasn't concerned whether or not I could do the seven hours. And then the pace I was keeping for three hours, I was finishing a half marathon. So I know I'm not going to take another four hours to get the next five miles. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so this is, this thing's going to run under six hours. That's awesome. And so at three hours, I know I've got the engine to push for six, especially if I can do multiple three hour days a week. And then the last real test would have been, Two weeks prior, I went and did a, uh, a big, long hike, and I kind of set out to do that as an overnight, um, really because by this point, the only real question for me was, I don't know how, in my, how my knee and hip feel at hour six. Yeah. 
And I don't know how to train hour six without doing the first it's five first. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone figures that out, if I can just get all the benefit of hour five and six of run training without having to do the first four of them, yeah. that would be awesome. But yes, I, I set out to do a hike, this uh, Berryman Trail that we had set out to do a year before and failed. Uh, failed clutch, you know, really, really well on because... <laughs> We got about eight miles in, set up camp, and I realized the only thing I forgot for us was the burner on the jet boil oh, to be able to cook food or heat water. Yeah. And we were planning on two nights or three nights yeah. on the trail. So that was kind of a okay, let's make a fire from a lighter and maybe try to scrounge up something dry to burn because nothing had, was dry. Had we been able to make fire easily? We may have gutted it out. It, we were like delicately blowing on this tiny the, flame to keep it alive to heat our meals that night. Everything's too wet. Like and, there's no organic material yeah. that's dry enough to burn. Yeah. yeah. And then made the decision that, okay, we got to head back to the truck in the morning because we can't do this two more nights. Yeah. Just not doable. So it, uh, it beat us that time. Yeah. It beat us that time. <laughs> and then, so I set out to go do it by myself and camp if need be, uh, and I just ended up plowing through the whole thing in a day. So That's it was like awesome. 28.6 is what my watch tracked, and I walked for 12 hours and five minutes. I was crippled afterwards. It was rough. Oh, man. You know those, he, he, you know those robots <laughs> that are like wind-up toys that walk, and they basically take oh, yeah. like the – it's yeah. like a 10% step of the next step each time? Yeah. Slowly That's how down. I moved when I got to the house. It was just like – I'll be there. Yep. He called me <laughs> asking if I could have just have dinner all the food and near the bed. Food and water on his bedside Already. table, ready to go because he was going to shower and get in bed, and, and that just was get it. In bed. Oh, those tiny, sad little steps. Oh, uh, <laughs> it hurt to watch. I was in a great mood. Like mentally, yeah. I was super strong, yeah. super oh, fine, great. but like I was just done. Yeah. And so I was just watching him. Like I don't know what to do <laughs> to help no you. Help. This looks terribly painful. Uh, and then like, so after that, it took a bit of the steam out of the challenge, to be honest, because I know that I'll finish. Yeah. The only question left was once we got out here, the only thing I was nervous about was I knew that I had 3000 feet of elevation to cover, which I don't have that option in St. Louis and then hydration, mm -hmm. especially it was, it's going to be hot and it's really dry out here. And so that was my other big concern because even like the day before anything like that, like, man, my piss just looked like Gatorade and there just wasn't much I could do. Like, I'm just pounding anything with electrolytes in it. Yeah. And my piss is still rough looking. And so finally got it pretty dialed that night and the next morning. And so even even on the trail to where I was, I bet the first half of the day, I, I like in the first two and a half hours, I probably peed two or three times. Jeez. So Good. at least I'm hydrated. Yeah. Uh, but then there's, there's fill-ups and water stations and aid stations. I think the biggest gap I had to cover was five miles between stations. And so that's not too bad. No, nope. I knew that I had it and I'm like, okay, so there's hour, hour 20 between stations at most. Mm -hmm. Like I can man, I could not have water and still probably survive. Yeah. You probably went through a bit more training where you had like those three hour sessions where you didn't even have as much water. No, or not a ton. Focused on it. Not a ton. Uh, and oh. that, and most of the training sessions I did were fasted. Oh yeah. So, you said right early in the morning yeah. too, and just got right into it. Yep. Just get moving before I have time to convince myself to not go do it is essentially what I have to do. What type of things did you learn? Cause we talked a little bit about the mentality of like in the race, but within training, like, cause that, that's a long time to go. You're just, you're just thinking and you're just kind of like. Is my well, knee and hip fine or yeah. can I keep going? There's so much feedback. Mm -hmm. Like the whole time you're running, the whole time you're on the treadmill, the whole time you're out on a trail that you're, I'm constantly, t you know, asking those questions and doing that systems check. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that, well, that I noticed just from, from the outside is all the things you came back with from the 28 mile hike on the trail, like tons of gratitude for your body and all that. Yeah, because, man, being hurt and, and, and jacked up as long as I was and in really bad pain, like, I, I couldn't walk more than, like, 200 yards a day. 
without really paying the price for it. Like probably not be able to do anything for the next four or five days. Wow. And then I, I couldn't step up a stair with my right leg first ever. Um, so it just was a back to like, thanks. Yeah. Like machine, you've been really, really good to me in my life. And I know that I haven't been the nicest to you. And thank you for coming back online and like allowing me to do this because I can't live the other way. Yeah. And, uh, that's been really cool. The other big mentally thing that's come from all the training, cause I did expect my knee and hip to be a real problem through this. I expected that I was going to do 80% of my training on the bike and mm -hmm. I didn't train on the bike hardly ever. Mm -hmm. Like maybe once or twice. Like a convenience thing too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I just want to do something different just, and, and yeah. at least the bike's fast. I can move it 17 or 18 miles an hour. Right. It's more fun yeah. to go cover 45 miles in three hours than it is to run on the same trail that I know I'm going to. Like, there's no mystery to where I'm headed. I'm just listening to audiobooks and uh, We expected them to be a problem. Yeah, I really expected them to beat me up and the fact that it didn't I, I feel way more confident in my body's ability to take abuse again. Like I feel more robust. I feel sturdy. I just felt so fragile for so long being hurt just that the idea of falling down, mm -hmm. I'd never walk again. That's what I think. Like, I'm in bad enough pain that if I slip, I can't jump on a thing, much less. Yeah, and that's just in your subconscious thinking like, oh, I got to be careful And I don't here, know that it was here. terribly wrong for a long time. Mm -hmm. That That's the other thing. It, it's not a false panic because I already was in such pain that anything worse yeah. was such a stress. And so now that I, I, I feel... Yeah, I'm not fragile anymore. That's awesome. Like, I'm not worried about hurting it as much. I know what it can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And if I ask it to do something out of those limitations, then that's my fault. But within those limitations, wide open. Yeah, and you essentially found more limitations, too, just from not really having experience running um, and going that distance. Like, that. that's awesome. Just, again, you, you thought you'd be on the bike for most of it, or... Yeah, it was... Um, it's just such a new experience. I've never, I've never used running or my feet as a mode of transportation in my life. Yeah. Like it's never been like, well, we can do that point A to point B because our legs work. No, yeah. <laughs> no. I just spent most of my competing career about two hundred and eighty-five, two hundred ninety pounds. Yeah, I'm not running. It's almost the opposite too. Like us powerlifters is just like, oh, I, I can't walk anywhere. I got a session. Right. I, I need to save my legs. Uh, and I came like from geared powerlifting. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. This is way past the level yeah. of we try to not do shit. Yeah. Than powerlifting, like, like raw stuff knees, is now. Help me up, walk <laughs> me over. Dude, it would bring food and like I never drank a water during any of my heavy geared powerlifting sessions. It was always soda. Yeah. Oof. You're not to consume Ugh. things that don't have calories. Why would you that waste the soda. fucking time? <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have calories in it. What are you doing, dude? Well, the guy I trained with, Gary. Gary would have this. His wife, Teresa, would make this loaf of bread of French toast Jeez. on Saturdays when we trained. And, like, every time Gary passed by, he just grabs one and, like, dunks it through peanut butter and comes to the gym. It's just a different world. And so coming from that to doing this, it's very, very different of, like, we're, we're doing this on purpose. We, we, <laughs> we want. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go run still. Like, I don't know at this point that I like running as an activity. You don't but think I, you'll we, ever? Um, I like that I can, but, like, will I ever be in the mood to go for a run? Probably not. Uh, but I. But you've also mentioned that you'd like to maintain yes, this for a different ability reason. you have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's definitely an unlock that's come with the added endurance of, uh, like, how hard I can work. Mm -hmm. And and just in even in life and even with the brand or any of that, I just feel that I'm capable of running the machine at a higher RPM for longer mm -hmm. now. And I have a better ability at longer times of the machine running at high speed, like my brain and everything else of just being like, we're okay. Mm -hmm. like I know a difference in what the major red flags are now instead of like, you're not really tired. You're annoyed. 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe go grab a fucking snack and get back to your shit. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I don't know that I'm interested in giving up that ability. So now I have to try to figure out like, what's the absolute least running I have to do <laughs> to still feel this way. <laughs> like if I could pull that off in a 5k a week, sweet. If I, if it takes three, that's reasonable. I could knock out three, three hour things yeah. a week, you know? I, I've been in a similar position where I, I started uh, doing our Matt Fraser's program, our heart yeah. is off, and you know I'm going again like from powerlifting to I'm tired after a set of three. Just of course, exhausted. I need my. Five of course, what are we rest. doing? Hypertrophy work at yeah. sets of six. Yeah, I need my yeah five minute rest, like my my candy, whatever <laughs> it is. And now it's like I've been doing the first workout. Also, I, I just puked. I felt terrible <laughs> after puked. I'm like never doing this again and then the next day i'm like I, I need to do it um but just my stamina and like being able to recover in between sets and just knowing that i'm not that tired and not being tired like going upstairs and, and doing work knowing i can like keep i can keep going i'm not crashing or anything. i don't think it takes away from the max effort stuff man not no, as much as we no. pretended it does i found i i get through my workouts faster and i of feel course. better yeah. my legs just feel a lot better but, uh, of course your body's better at processing fluid your metabolism's higher there's a number of great benefits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what was it like for you, Bonnie, seeing everything like just from start to finish? Because this is just a complete change, and even you, you did. No, when I moved to St. Louis, I couldn't go up and down stairs. Still, yeah, like I was on yeah. that fresh of a knee. Yeah, you were three, maybe four weeks. Yeah, maybe maybe a month. A out month total after knee. total knee when you moved to St. Louis. Um, it was awesome watching him train for the run. It was. It was fun watching him get excited about a thing. And, I mean, we're all competitors, so mm-hmm. we we enjoy that. We love it. We get our thrills out of that, right? So it was fun seeing him get excited about a competition, something that was completely new. Um, it was cool watching him get out of his comfort zone. It was fun going to the track together. Uh, that's my background. I'm not yeah. particularly good at it anymore. Uh, but I ran Dragon College, and so that will always have... Uh, spot in my heart so it was fun getting to do that together um I was a little nervous for when he went to go do the trail hike just because that was a big unknown for us and afterwards we both realized that we probably should have had a little more communication ahead of time and like where he was going to be and like what time and like I basically didn't have service (laughs) you didn't have service all day and the next day yeah well and we didn't know if he was going to have to stay the night or not Mm -hmm. um yeah my concern was her being like, is he sleeping in the woods or yeah. is he stuck somewhere because his knee's on fire? Yeah. yeah, right. So after that, we're like, eh, maybe next time you do that, I need to know the trail that you're going to be on, you know. And a- and a drop dead time. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. maybe a little bit more details that we realized yeah, like, after If you haven't fact. heard from me in 10 hours, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was really fun being able to watch him be a competitor again because in the time that we've been together, I've never known that competitive side of him. He's been dealing with knee injuries ever since I've known him and yeah, ever since, since we got together. Yeah, wow. so I never got to see him do the Highland Games or anything like that. So it was it was fun watching that switch for him. And uh, it was awesome to be there on race day and see him off at the start. And I was, I was hoping that I would be able to be at like maybe one of the aid stations, uh, but the 19 and a half mile was like the shortest mm-hmm. loop that they do. So it's just one loop and then they're back. Um, so I couldn't be at any of the aid stations, but got to be there when he finished. And yeah, it was it was so much fun. How was it when you finished? I was ready to senior? be done. He was ready to be done. I was ready yeah. to be done. Like that, yeah. That's all I felt at you, that point. Like um, Gave me a kiss and I hug and I went it. to get him lunch. Yeah. I was really proud of it, really happy, but I mean... I'm I'm an athlete that likes the process way more yeah. than the the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing for me is a checkpoint of mm-hmm. did this work? This yeah. And that's all. That's all it is, right? It's just data collection, mm-hmm. and I'm proud that I did it. Um, I was way more proud about doing that hike. Yeah. Than I was probably the event. Um, the event was way more fun. Well, and the hike had had beaten us before, so it was yeah. a little bit of getting <laughs> right. back at it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The hike, the hike was one of those that I, I got a little bit about. And then, I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I was emotional, but after after I finished the run, mm-hmm. just as 
you know, it's that it's that fragile thing. Mm-hmm. And this this is really the first time that it has clicked that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I like more about you saying the process more than the outcome. It's you learn it's so much in the process, and there's more. Essentially, it's like say if you were if you were going for that race, you're and you're looking to win or whatever first or whatever there is like even just in a powerlifting meet. But it's like there's so many wins in that process that you discover about yourself of whether that's confidence or I'm, I'm not fragile anymore. Like that win of not fragile, that's way more important oh, yeah. in your life rather than a medal. What, or, the time or, or that what, I did that distance? You, so you, don't, you don't care about the time. You care about yeah, I, I'm I mean, not as fragile anymore. Like, <laughs> I, I'm better minded in terms of business, in terms of confidence. Like I went past the limit I thought I couldn't have done. Mm-hmm. Or three years ago, you might have thought impossible. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete-focused meat company. Uh, always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland, and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be, and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch that's stay classy meats check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code hybrid in all caps to get 10 percent off this podcast episode is also brought to you by beam beam is committed to producing high quality natural innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes beam creates products to support four main categories balance performance recovery and sleep These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. Well, and for someone that was a world champion top of your sport and then to spend so many years actually feeling fragile like what Mm -hmm. a huge incredible mental win that is i mean Mm -hmm. i mean both of you guys have lifted and and sustained some injuries Mm -hmm. right where you sidelined for a bit and you know that feeling of not being able to do your thing i'll never do my thing again like I, I've known that now for years. Like I'll, I'll never squat heavy again. I'll never get to do heavy cleans or snatches. I'll never get to manage stress with training the way that I that I loved or that I learned how to do over thirty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been tough to try to refigure that out. Yeah, that part. Um, yeah, that's a lot of rewiring, but. You know, I, I land on it like I, I'm lucky enough that I got to be a world champion in a sport twice. Like I know very confidently, and you know, especially uniqueness of Highland Games to powerlifting. Like we don't have federations. Mm-hmm. There's just one thing. Yeah, it's not a world champion. So X federation and right. And with there's no these rules there's no asterisks. Those two days, there isn't anyone on earth who could beat me. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking cool. And I'll never get to do the sport again. It wasn't supposed to last forever, man. Like, none of it was. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm just really stoked that I ever had a thing that I love to do that much that gave back. It just ran out of give back. Yeah. <laughs> My body's like, we can't hold on anymore. Yeah, I mean, your, initial, your initial plan was have the first ACL surgery and be back for the next season. Yeah, I planned on taking a year oh, off. Really? So, so yeah, like that was the plan was 2016. I was going to fix my ACL and I was planning to document training uh, through all the rehab and then take 2017 off and be back for 2018. And instead, through documenting that rehab, I had eight other knee surgeries and come to conclusion of like, oh, we'll never compete again. Like, it's not recovery anymore. Like, we're not on the rehab train. It's, yeah, I need to walk and be a functional person out of pain. And I wasn't sure that was ever going to go away. So that was a 
that was a big win. Yeah, man. So on. now that I can do stuff, I'm doing stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know how long the window I'm out of pain is again, but while I'm out of it, we're not hanging out on the couch playing it safe. Like, I nah, mean, man. But to be thinking you'd never be running or jumping and then 19.6, done. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And you, you didn't even say it was like an RP10 type of thing. Or we no, talked a bit about that. Right. But that that's how I feel about the same with the pain scale, right? Like, I mean, was my knee pain an RPE 10 when it was really bad? If it got really inflamed from, say, walking 200 yards that day, I'd get a stabbing pain like in the medial, the bottom of my femur. But it would just have that stabbing pain when I exhale <laughs> all day. And... Like, a 10 would be worse because I could also be on fire. Yeah. Right? So, like, <laughs> I never, I didn't have to go to the hospital every day for that. So, chronic chronic pain's a way different read than acute pain. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, whereas, like, you know, using cannabis or anything like that for pain, um, I think cannabis is really useful for chronic pain or, like, arthritis or recovery pain. Yeah. If you have a cut... That is not the tool. Yeah. It no. just makes that worse. <laughs> like, don't smoke a bunch of try to go get tattooed. It's not fun. That's a bad idea. Uh, Recovery pain has been good. Yep. I mean, use, using that. Yeah, and so, yeah, just getting, just getting out of that spot of feeling so fragile and then how it, like, I know now that I can do more, right? Like, there's an, just another whole area that's unlocked of, I don't know what I'm capable of doing. I want to find a, out. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to say, is, did there, <clears throat> did anything come to your mind right after, um, of whether physical or just something in the back of your mind, business side that you've thought like, nah, I can't do it now. It's like, well, can, the business can, side, the business side has always made sense, right? Because the correlation and, and w- with everything we do was, again, I never cared about the, the finish line because the process is what matters. Like I, there's no there. There's no any, finish line, right? There's, it's like if our business gets to a hundred thousand a year or a million a year, like so fucking what? Yeah. Like I want to hold that line and continue to make some percentage progress for a decade. Mm-hmm. That's what I give a shit about. Like the the there, like the the analogy I use for that is like you find me a book that's just written about the view from Everest. Mm-hmm. No one gives a shit. It's the story. Yeah. And your life ought to be the same. Uh, so it's fun being able to do some new stuff. And so now I'm really interested, like, with the way my knee was, like, even doing this motorcycle trip coming up, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit in that position. I'd be crippled. So now that I'm physically capable enough to do that, like, I'm stoked. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, I'm doing a trip to Africa in <laughs> Oh, I heard a bit about September. that. Yeah, with Hayden. With Hayden, yeah. Yeah, our uh, Dangerous Gentlemen's Club. Yeah, I heard oh about that. Oh, my goodness. It's, oh. Who is it? <laughs> I love it's that. You. It's me, uh, Hayden, Kelly Sturette, yeah. and okay. then a bunch of Kelly's buddies. A bunch of dudes Kelly's known That's for awesome. 20 years who are also like professional rafters. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to go do rafting on the Zambezi for uh, like three days. That's awesome. And it, it's really cool. It's a big river. Uh, Kelly's wife, Juliet, has run it during a world championship whenever she was doing like big boat stuff. And they're going to dam the river in the future at some point, like probably in the next 10 years. Uh-huh. So if we want to run it and like get to run by Victoria Falls in the river. Wow. Like now's the fucking time. Yeah. And so, That's awesome. yeah, man, I'm going. Like, Just watch out for those speedy ass hippos. Whoa. <laughs> <Hippos are> so, <sighs> it feels hippos like a real gnarly. adventure. Yeah, that is. Yo, you know yeah, I mean? like, yeah. Going rafting What's in Africa is a real adventure. Uh, I can't remember that movie. It's like they're in a game, but they're doing a journey. Jumanji. Jumanji. Yeah, like <laughs> you're in a real adventure and just, yeah. dude, like, for sure. And and that's kind of what I'm interested to do. Like, I, I'm never gonna obsess. I don't like never. I likely won't fully obsess about a sport again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Like, man, I just want to be fit enough to be able to say yes to anything that crosses my plate. Like, hey, we're going to go do a multi-day hike. Sweet. If I got yeah. three weeks notice, I can change direction on my training and be really ready for that. I did like the event enough that I may do another one of these. 
because they kind of run them through all the national parks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd so be great that would see. be sick to do like Glacier and do Yellowstone and do Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to do twenty five miles. If there's a thirty k, I'm into it. <laughs> it's a sweet distance for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I hold that line, like I said, of you know two or three five k time distances a week, that if I'm like oh, I want to go do that thing, and that's in eight weeks. I can shift gears and I'm ready to go into that. Yeah, I I like having that. I'm not starting from scratch. I've already took too much from it to give it back. It's It's tough to start from scratch. It's not for you anymore. Yeah, yeah. Just I think the rest of my time, I just want to steal all the newbie gains from a bunch of different sports and then never give them back. Right? Like get competent and then like that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good feeling. I don't need expert status. We've talked about uh, learning how to snowboard. Yeah, never done that. Yeah, opened so many doors. Right. After, yeah. I'm not trying to get extreme. Yeah. Despite how many monsters I'll have we can, with me. We can both, we know we can both wake surf. So yep. that's cool. That's super. Dude, that's um, another great fun thing. Like, so have fun. you done that? Yeah. We did it in. Uh, wake surf. Yeah, wake surfing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. The one on the surfboard on, yeah. on you're the not, water. You're not strapped yeah, 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 in. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. slow behind the boat. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. I mean, dude, high super reward, fun. low risk of injury. Very low yeah. risk. Yeah. Super low risk. Whereas wakeboarding. Way too fucking fast. <laughs> yeah, I can't control hitting the water at that speed with whatever this thing still is. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I think we're both interested in uh, learning how to snowboard. Neither of us grew up with like winter sports or anything like that. But if you get me on that bunny hill, I think I could yeah, do it. Yeah, I'd like to be able to cruise. Do it. It's not too bad. Yeah. Right, I, I, w- I would love to have the ability that if friends are going on a ski trip, I'm not like, I'll sit at the lodge with a thumb in my ass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But that's something you would have never even thought about no a couple way. years ago. It's been off limits. It's been, I'll yeah. never do that again. Yeah. Or, or just so many things were so removed many. from options mm. being hurt. So and many. now stealing back, man. That's awesome. That's such a great feeling. But even a little bit of boxing. True. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really fun. There's a ton of movement. And, and what I got from the six weeks of boxing I did before really deciding on the run was I have no ability to defend myself. That's what I learned. As a strong guy who's athletic, I have no business having a physical altercation with someone who has any idea of what they're doing. Go really poorly for me. Yeah. I'd like to fix that. Yeah, I've been I've been watching Steffi spar um, or just other people spar at the gym. I'm like, wow, this is very skilled, intelligent. I wouldn't know what to do. It's way more fencing were... than fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, like MMA. Like, look, if you take a professional boxer and have them in a fight versus professional Wait, MMA if, guy, the MMA guy kills them. There's too many other tools. You have legs, you have... Yeah, as soon as they get into the ground, I mean... If you're, you're going to force the MMA yeah. guy to box, well, then of course the boxer wins. Yeah. It's a different right. sport. Yeah, It's like right. you can't take a top-tier shot putter and have him beat me at the Highland Games. There's eight other events they're not going to be great at. Right. Yeah. You know, I'll lose two very handedly. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, I mean it's such an it's such an interesting thing. I'd like to I'd like to mess with more of that. I'm interested in dabbling in jujitsu again. I just I'm aware it has to be so controlled. Mm-hmm. The jujitsu. Hmm? The jujitsu. Yeah. 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 Like I can't go to a public. I I don't trust enough people to go to a public gym and not someone try to ball me up and, yeah. and crush me. Some people are there taking out their anger. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll buy a mat and have it at the gym and I have people come train me. Like I'd yeah. way rather that in a safe environment that I know like. You're not trying to hurt me. Yeah. I have no interest in beating you <laughs> that way either. I'm just trying to have fun. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to learn those tools. Um, another thing I'm interested in was uh, I met at Summer Strong a few weeks ago with Sorenex, uh, Tony Blauer, who runs like tactical self-defense stuff. Oh, okay. But it's all like real-world self-defense stuff of like defending yourself from three people for a rape. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is get out surviving, not to be pretty. Yeah. And they run that training like full fucking speed, man. They've got suits they put dudes in. And I mean, you bring, it, it, it's about exposure therapy, essentially, that you combat fear with, ex, with competence and exposure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty true across the board. Like to reduce anxiety, like try to do the thing. Oh, of course. Right? Like competent, like people that are, I'm nervous in deep water, like swimming. I'm an okay swimmer, but I bet if I was a scuba diver, I wouldn't care much about swimming in deep water. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Right. It's just a different level of competency about the thing that eliminates the panic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested in eliminating as many panics from different stuff. So, like, I know we talked about going to do that self-defense class. Like, I bet doing one of those and then keeping up some type of training would make you so much safer than I was before. Oh, yeah. and that confidence you gain from that. Like, I don't I, think I'm indestructible. But I knew after the first boxing training we did, we talked about, like, yeah. I'm so much more prepared to defend myself right now than I've ever been before just because now I've stood in a spot and threw punches at a moving person. I'm aware of what my heart rate does. I'm aware of how long I can go before I'm useless. Yeah. Right? Other than that, you think fights are going to play out like an action movie, and they're not. <laughs> so not at all. Or that you need to know those combinations really well. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Combo uh, thing is so <laughs> weird. How are you feeling about everything? About everything I've had going on? Yeah. Because you guys had kind of stuff yeah. going on around the same time. Yeah, we're not yes. we're not bored. No, there's been <laughs> there's been no shortage of excitement lately. Um so as of today, I am three weeks post op. I had a breast mastectomy and reconstruction done on the fourteenth. So all in all, I'm feeling very good. Um, I'm able to do like lower body and cardio, no jumping stuff or anything like that yet. Uh, But that's where I'm at for three weeks. That's good. Yeah. Are you scared going in? Um, I mean, I've had a lot of time to think about it. Uh, So for people listening, I was diagnosed with the BRCA1 mutation about six, seven years ago. And I always knew this was the route I was going to go with everything just because it would reduce my risk the most for mm-hmm. breast cancer. Um, so just having... By like 85%. Yeah, just having the the gene, my risk for breast cancer is around 85%. So wow. too high, too yeah. high. Um, and there's other things that you can do. So for the past couple of years, since I was diagnosed, I have to do... It also increases your risk for ovarian cancer, but that's kind of my, that'll be my second chapter to this whole story. Um, but so what I've been doing for the past couple of years is regular uh, chest MRIs, mammograms, transvaginal ultrasounds, and all that has to be done every three to six months. So there's kind of this pretty aggressive uh, protocol they suggest mm-hmm. just to keep an eye on everything. Um but I always knew that the mastectomy was the route I was going to go. That decreases my risk the most. There's no other option for me. Um, but, I mean, when I was first diagnosed, I was, I would say, in denial about it for a long time. Like, I didn't like talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, over the past couple of years, I've really forced myself to be more open. But talk just about more it. of an out of sight, out of mind type of thing. Like if I yeah, don't bring it absolutely, up, then... absolutely. Like I was going to all my appointments and I was doing all these things, but I mean, I was I was mad for a long time, and I think still up until maybe this past year, really, I would still just get pissed off. Yeah, I was like, this is unfair. Like this is bullshit. Like it's, it's a shitty draw of the cards, man. It's a shitty hand to be dealt. And, and it's a weird thing because there's nowhere to really place or direct that anger. Like there's no one to be mad at. Like mm-hmm. it just is. Um, so yeah, I always knew the mastectomy was going to be in my future. And I got to a point in my adult life where I felt like I was at a, a good spot. Um, personally, emotionally, in an amazing supportive relationship, uh, financially, all these things just kind of lined up. Um, and I suffered an injury a couple of years ago with powerlifting. So that has kind of taken a bit of a backseat in my life. So I wasn't as concerned about taking time off from the gym and had it done in March, um, or May. Yeah, May. It's May. And I was, I was in a good spot going into the procedure. I actually had a really good friend come over that morning and do a Reiki energy session Mm -hmm. for me. So I felt like pretty low anxiety and I, I was a little worried like going into it because I saw my chart and it said the plan was for me 
to have a reconstruction. And so for a mastectomy, that can mean a couple things. Either they do implants for you or they can do like a fat transfer of sorts. And the fat transfer wasn't an option for me, but they said, uh, we can we can do these implants depending on how big you want to go you either have to do expanders or not so i said i would like to be as big as i could without the expanders and expanders are basically little balloons that they'll put in there and after surgery you're essentially pumped up like twice a month to create space for the implant because removing all the breast tissue yeah uh gets tricky going to a larger size. It's much See, much different than a regular augmentation. Because they've removed breast tissue. Mm-hmm. There should be more there room. There should be more space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's how it works. Because then you just have skin. Then you just got a big old pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, I wanted to forego the expanders because you have to be really careful with those in because then you're just cruising around with these little balloons in your chest. And, and the recovery is long. Yeah, and so depending on how big you want to go, those have to stay in for like three to seven months, and then you go back in for the Jeez. implant, months. and then there's another month. Months. So I was yeah. not interested in going that route. I said, let's just get those implants in there as big as you can make me without the expanders. Fuck those. Not cool with that. And so on my chart, like going into surgery, I, it said uh, reconstruction, possible implants, possible expanders. And I'm just like, oh. You know, I talked to my plastic surgeon like one more time before going in because, you know, I have two doctors, one that does the mastectomy, one that does the reconstruction. And I'm like, please, can we just, I don't want the expanders. I don't want the expanders. And she's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Like, we'll do everything we can, but we don't know until we get in there. Like, they just don't know. You don't know what you're going to wake up with. Would you have chosen to not do expanders and just? And just be nothing? Yeah. Oof. I don't know. Like an either or, do you go expanders and deal with it? I think I would go expanders and deal with it, but I would do them for a short amount of time as possible. Like yeah, I would, I would do them a short amount of time to get back to the size I was. Yeah, like, just as soon as you could yeah. get something in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it. yeah. Um, so went into surgery. Barely remember getting put on the on the operating table. I was in a great mood headed back. You know, as soon as they give you whatever they give you. Yeah, versus I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could feel it working. I'm like, okay, let's do this, you know. Getting so, good at surgery is a weird thing that happened over three years. Yeah. Yeah, because, of course, Matt can tell me all these like, things. And he's like, he's, he's like, let him know you're a little anxious. Yeah. He'll give you the good stuff. Uh, but was in a great mood going in there. Barely remember getting on the operating table. And then I'm waking up in recovery. And I look down and I'm like, oh, okay. They got something in there. Um and uh, Matt showed up shortly after. Yep. Got me home just fine. And then probably the first four days of recovery were the worst, I think. Yeah, nerve block wears off. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first four days, I was pretty uncomfortable. I could sit up okay, but that's only because my core mm-hmm. could handle it. Like, I'm not, I can't do anything with my arms. It's very odd. You know, this is the first major surgery I've ever had. So I've never been like that helpless like um I had a friend come stay which was great Matt helped me take a bath and wash me and help me out I think you only had to do that twice yeah really but more of that was like holding my drains and keeping things from getting wet yeah whenever she showered there's just a ton of shit attached to her there's these two vacuum like uh wound vacs and then there were the pumps Mm -hmm. and so drains yeah just standing there like one of those uh things that hold the saline bag yeah like the IV holder so yeah so I had drains in for the first week uh which is very odd these two just little blood bags kind of dangling on either side that we had to empty every day and then yeah like Matt mentioned my bandages were like vacuum sealed to my chest so I also had to carry this little vacuum machine around oh literally vacuum yeah Yeah, yeah, literally vacuum sealed um just like you know like a bag of veggies or whatever like just yeah there was like these big foam pads you know to yeah it looked like i had these crazy crazy purple alien boobs with uh tubes coming out yeah so i couldn't see or feel had no idea really what was going on and uh yeah yeah, all that was on me for the first week and then day five day five i started feeling pretty good Mm -hmm. the first four days were rough and then day five i kind of woke up like oh i feel all right i could probably take a little walk today we'll see how it goes and that day was also the day i got my pathology report back so they removed all the breast tissue that i had 
sent it off to pathology to make sure everything was good. And I got that report in my, uh, like my medical chart and I logged in and it said pathology negative. Fuck yes. Awesome. I don't have to worry about this thing anymore. This whole thing I don't have to worry about. And right, because I'm, if they find something like she still got it, basically do some treatment mm-hmm. yeah i would still have to do chemo or radiation or whatever they recommended Just as an in case mm-hmm. right and again it's one of those things that you don't know until those until they get in there oh. until that those results are back so until that report came back you're just kind of in this weird limbo yeah and so i got that report back and i'm reading through it great everything's looking awesome this is all the stuff we needed to hear and then there's like the list of specimens and under the list of specimens it says left nipple right nipple and I'm like hmm this was supposed to be a bilateral nipple sparing mastectomy but I can't see or feel I have no idea what's going on I'm gonna make phone call real quick do I have nipples because I don't (laughs) know if I have nipples right now I have absolutely no clue and so uh called the doctor they didn't answer or they she said she was going to check on it and then um that's when Brooke came over to do another Reiki session mm-hmm. for me so I'm like babe they're going to call me back here's my phone if they if they call please answer because I would really love to know and um Matt is not on like my list of people to get my medical information oh, so God. Matt's like listen she just she just needs to know like, yeah she's if, like um tell her She's just trying how to vaguely say it as possible to me. She's like, tell her that what she was asking about is is good. <laughs> and I'm like, does she have nipples? <laughs> and she goes, yes. I'm like, thanks. Yes, <laughs> and that was the end of that conversation. Yeah, she's like, everything went according to plan. Because so, even like, I'm not running down there and being like, everything you thought went well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what does it even mean? Because I'm, information yeah, I'm, I'm down there getting Reiki and like trying to relax and not worry about the conversation I just had five minutes ago. And Matt comes down, he puts his hand on me, he's like, you still got nipples. You're I'm good. like, oh, now I can actually relax and enjoy <laughs> this. Like, what a weird thing, right? It's like, yeah. do I have- I've never been a concern. Do I, like, what a strange phone call to make. And I'm like, do I look like Barbie down there? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I get all this off in two days. I'd rather not be surprised. Yeah, that would be if you didn't read it and you're just like, whoa. Yeah, and it didn't- I'd get rid of my nipples in a second. I yeah. would have given you mine. <laughs> you don't even need them. No. It doesn't say nipple biopsy. It just says left nipple. So I'm like, well, I, I'm just gonna check. Right. Um, yeah. So then, yeah, after a week, I got the bandages off. I got the drains out, which is kind of an odd sensation. Ooh. Um, yeah, we never talked about how the drain removal went. It wasn't right? bad. Really? No. Motherfucker. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as you said and other people said. Getting the adhesive Ugh. removed was bad in my skin because like, it was so bad. Like, And my skin is really sensitive um, that I was bleeding in a couple spots. So still, my skin is still recovering from that. Uh, but they let the vacuum go on my chest and I was like it was like and I'm like oh no I'm like what is this and she starts slowly peeling off um the bandages and it's a very odd thing to look down and be like that's not my body mm-hmm. like and just seeing them for the first time was very strange and to be 100% numb just everywhere I was even hesitant like the first two days about even touching because like I didn't feel like it was mine so I'm like I don't I'll just let, let her do her thing, not bother her. Um, but that was, yeah, that would have been two weeks ago, getting all the bandages and drains off. And they said at the two-week mark, I would be cleared to do cardio and lower body. And I have my next post-op appointment on Monday to see what's next, what I can do next, what the next steps are. That's awesome. It's been a very strange process. Yeah. Um. You want to know another uh, really weird one about a body change? What? Let me know when you have boobs in your dreams. <laughs> oh. It's a really interesting thing. Have you ever Is had a like thing? a major change to anything? Um. So like even tattoos. Oh, it took a long time for me to have in your, tattoos in, in my dreams. dreams. Yeah. Interesting. I can't imagine that. I'm not. I'm not skinny in my dreams. <laughs> okay. I'm still big, Matt. Really? Oh yeah. Okay, I have a lot of dreams where my parents are um, still married. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Weird. It's, it's, it's really weird to where where the, where the machine got. Okay, set, I'll I let suppose, you know right? when I have my first boob dream. I will. Yeah, because I don't. I don't report look like back. This. Now, really? I'm not still married in my dreams. Oh. That's never been. Okay, cool. It was for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's a long it, time. But it's not anymore. Right. I mean, like I spent 13 fucking years that way, right? Yeah. So, like, of course it is. But yeah. no, it, it's interesting, like, because no, it took I've a long time for me to that. have tattoos in my dreams. Whoa. I, yeah, I, just I how, you view, your, like, how you view years. yourself. Hmm. I wonder what that means. Uh, Perhaps I, the, the ego has matched. Who knows? Your own <laughs> vision of yourself. Because I mean, even looking in mirrors and stuff now, like, this feels way it's it i'm still not familiar with it i, I guess yes, i can 10 out of 10 relate but i've always had some type of weird body dysmorphia but none of that has has had to do with my boobs like i've always thought i was way more muscular than i am <laughs> I feel like that's, i'm like as soon I as see you Steffi, start working out that happens to everyone yeah i see Steffi, i'm like probably look like that and i see a picture so i'm like no i don't <laughs> but um I mean, it's not it's not a huge change, but a part of me feels like I look slightly less athletic. And I think that mentally uh, for you too is like you haven't got to train in three weeks, and yeah. so like you're not for sure. You're probably you're probably a hair softer than you would normally walk around at because a you're not training. Yeah, you haven't lost your mind nutrition wise. No, nutrition not has even been close, right? I'm sure your body weight's damn near identical, minus whatever or addition to whatever boobs weigh. Uh, Which is probably, I mean, t- t- they took stuff and added sure. stuff, so who knows? That probably close to balances out. But um, I think as soon as like you can kind of be a little sore. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and my I've gotten my glutes and hamstrings sore, so that's been great. Uh, but as far as nutrition, like I'm probably eating seventy five percent of what I normally do, just mm-hmm. because activity has been low, so my appetite just just isn't there. Um, I wouldn't have handled that as well, but. I really can't think of any nights that I've like totally fucked off with snacks. No, not too bad. Uh, not as bad as I do. <laughs> but but for me, the big thing was taking control, taking the control that I could with mm-hmm. my own life and not leaving this to chance. I yeah. think that it's that's the move. If you're deciding to not live out of fear and not live out of ignorance, like there's steps that you can take to better your chances. And for me, like I said, that was the only route I was ever going to go. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I knew it was in my cards at some point. Mm-hmm. And the next thing for me will be the removal of my tubes. And then post-menopause will be the removal of my ovaries. Wow. So there's still a couple more steps to take. Uh the BRCA1 mutation that I have increases my risk for breast more than ovarian. So that was kind of like the, okay, we got to get to getting because that typically uh, should be done before you're 35 and I'm 33. So it was TikTok. Do you feel, um, because you said you felt a bit bit angry at times or just, yeah, you feel, I don't, I don't feel that anymore. I've, there's been a couple times when I've looked for it just to see if that feeling is around and maybe it isn't because everything has gone so well and according to plan lately uh, that I'm just so grateful that everything has gone smoothly that I don't think there's been any room for that anger. I struggled uh, with that a lot during my during the years that my shit was bad. I'm sure and you had nine surgeries. And it's never worked. And that was completely unexpected. Yeah. I was supposed to have an ACL, the most common knee thing ever done. Yeah. And they ended up in eight further surgeries and the end of my competing. Um, I remember having really bitter moments of just like, you know how many useless fucks out there don't use their knees? Yeah. Yeah. You really want yours? Fuck. Yeah. And then, like I said, man, it took a long time, but I finally landed on that just really grateful for the fact that I... I ever got a thing to pour into that way that that worked that well. I I won't find a second one mm-hmm. ever. And I think and, a, a a big part of this for us that has shifted within the past year or two is a healthy disconnect from our bodies. 
Yeah, the identity is not built around whatever the machine is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like whatever or what its capability. Whatever are. is up here is just cruising around in this. Like this is the machine I got, I suppose, given, got, whatever. I mean, this is what I ended up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, and it, so why why wouldn't I do everything I can to make this functional and healthy and maybe give it a bit more longevity? Like this is what I get to cruise around in. I'm going to be nice to it because mm-hmm. there's a long time where we both really, really, <laughs> really room. beat them up. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and the, it's a weird thing to think that, right? But the mentality on it, uh, that idea of kind of the machine, right? Like that, I mean, of all the things, we don't get to pick our body type, right? It's this yeah. issued thing at birth that you end up getting. And I think now of athletes, and I talked about it with my brother as well, of like all the various options of body types that exist with different genetic gifts and abilities or talents. Man, I got super fucking lucky. And not only super, like, look, everyone in the room, super fucking lucky. And then not only super lucky, but think about how much, because you've been able to train hard and have success and find confidence and do all that from athletic background, how much has that played into the creation of you? Because mm-hmm. if none I'm None of us not, are in this room. Well, not only none of us are in this room, but I'm sure as shit not the same person. My life experiences oh, yeah. are totally different. Like, I didn't find confidence in success or any of that from the scholastic side of my life. Mm-hmm. It was fine. But, I mean, I didn't make great grades or I just never cared. I fucking hated the education system <laughs> and all of it and how it deals with me. Those pesky books. Yeah, I, I, I was similar in the way that I found everything through through training. Yeah. yeah. I started training 12, 13 and mm. being told that I had this disability, ADHD, whatever, can't read, can't write. I'm like, Yo, I, fuck no, all that. I'm like, no, you know I what just I mean? don't apply myself and, and found that confidence through, I, I, through I, training and, and it just helped me in so many other areas. And then it's like, I went to this school for, for, for hockey, um, and was still like, I needed to keep up grades. But it, in, in this case, they were telling me like, again, you still, it's like, you're having problems here. You're having problems here. It's like, this is probably what you have. But in my head, I'm like, I'm, I'm not just, I'm just not applying myself and I'm not. Very, That's what I always thought too. Confidence. And it's like, you're not really giving confidence. You're help, you're, you're more putting me down. And I just found that through training. And then I started applying myself and then it's like, Oh, now you have the best grades in school. Oh, that now never you get, That never shifted over. I get a scholarship <laughs> to a prep school in the U S and then it's like, Oh, and then I go to college and then, Oh, I'm, being a TA and stuff in college and like tutoring people. So that kind of like, are you originally Toronto? I'm a (laughs) very unique story that no one knows. I'm originally from Yellowknife Northwest territories. Okay. Oh wow. I don't know if you know where that is. So I've been to, I've been to, um, Alaska, the Yukon. Wow. Okay. So there, there was a Highland games that they hosted in the Yukon called top of the world games. And, uh, there's a famous place in the area that's got a bar that has like a human toe that they put into shots called a toe shot. It's a fucking human toe that they have. Everyone in the bar. gets the same toe. They're just reusing yeah, yeah, this toe they just, forever. They store it in this bottle of booze and then they pour you a shot and the toe goes in your shot. You drink it's it. It's probably an expensive shot. Yeah, but the problem is like multiple people have they've had to get other toes because people <laughs> swallow it. Huh, what a weird thing, right? Yeah. And you've just got a, a cadaver toe hanging around. Yeah, very strange. Floating around. Ooh. Yeah, so it's near there. But okay, so you're way up there. Way up there. Now, there's heritage, no, there's are you no, any, uh, like, native? No, this is also interesting. I was telling them at, uh, at Oh, I heard brunch. you telling Mindy, yeah. Uh, my dad's Chinese, Jamaican, born and raised in Jamaica. Uh, his parents are Chinese, Jamaican, and then he moved to Canada when he was. Man, f- I really want that 15, stereotype 16. to be a fifty-fifty of what I think of both Jamaica and Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> and then your mother, she she's from Toronto and she's Scottish and Irish. And then wow. my dad moved to Canada, and they both moved to Yellowknife for work, and that's where they met. And I was born and raised. What there. work? Oilfield. <laughs> uh, my dad went to work for an airline, and my mom went as a nurse. Right on. Yeah. Wow. So when did you get out of there? When I was 15, I went out of there for oh. for hockey. So I, yeah. I played hockey and like did not like school at all. But this was a private school that I went to hockey for. 
When did um, you determine that sports would be a way out? Always. You knew it. Uh, always. Yeah. yeah. Did you want out? I was in grade nine, grade eight, like skipping class to go to the gym. Right. Like on. this always had kind of like a vision of doing something in terms of athletics uh and and found a lot of success there um but again like always kind of thought that i didn't have i couldn't be successful anywhere else more of like people like you have this disability you have this 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 i'm like mm-hmm. then later on i'm like no i'm just not really applying myself and then i started applying myself and obviously that helped <laughs> um, <laughs> those newbie gains dude right on yeah <laughs> yeah the the, the yeah. uh the academic thing just never clicked for me i uh I think it clicked in the way that it may have not clicked by their system, but it clicked for you in different systems because you're obviously very smart. Look, and, I, and you I figured out really how to well. get through as frictionlessly as possible is what I figured out. I figured out that I could not study at all and make B's and C's forever. But for me to make A's, I really had to do like 30 times more effort. <laughs> and so I was like, it's just not worth it. Yeah. I don't feel any better about having A's versus... I mean, look, I'm not going to be a doctor or lawyer. This wasn't in the cards. <laughs> yeah, you I got out of school with a general studies degree. Do what you need to do. Yep. Take a shot at running my own life. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been great. I can see it. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a hell of a ride. <laughs> yeah. I think we're on the time crunch, but no, this is a great conversation. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. I'd yeah, love to do another fun. one. I feel like we, we, we could keep going. But. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You guys, you and you and Hunter need to come into St. Louis, man, and come Definitely. come do UMSO and hang out with us and train. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It would be super fun. 